Welcome to Brews Rock, your ultimate backstage pass to the captivating tales behind your beloved brews. Get ready for an immersive journey into the craft brewing universe every Friday, where we'll uncover the secrets and inspire you to be part of this extraordinary community. Welcome back. We have a treat for you today as we dive into the world of craft snacks. Get ready for an episode that'll leave your taste buds tingling. That's right, Bo. Our special guest today is none other than the brilliant mind behind Hops and Nuts and Sippin' Snacks, Melissa Wallace. Get ready to hear her fascinating story of turning a missing snack into a flavorful business venture. It's snack time, folks. Do you want to introduce yourself to the audience just in case they're not familiar with you and your snacks? Hi, everybody. My name is Melissa Wallace, and I'm the founder of Sippin' Snacks Gourmet Bar Snacks. Authentic snacking for authentic sippin'. When did you start your company? We started our original brand, which was something called Hops and Nuts in 2017. We founded our company based on the premise of super authenticity. We have been fans of craft beer. Our odyssey started probably 20 or so years ago at this really teeny tiny little brewery called Brewery Oma Gang. So if that's the place that you start your odyssey, that's a pretty doggone good place. (laughs) We walked in with no intention of liking craft beer. We walked in to do a free tour to, I think, just waste some time before we went to pick up some artisanal cheese. (laughs) And we were like, what's the deal with all these bowls of like star anise and coriander and hay? And at the end, we did the tour and they said, you're eligible to do the free tasting. And no, that's okay. We're not really going to like anything here, but thanks. They're like, just try one. Yeah. So our first beer was something called Witta, W-I-T-E. Ooh. Hefeweizen. Hefeweizen, for sure. It was something we had never tasted. Gosh, coriander, orange zest, some clove action in there. Everything was open fermentation, which meant nothing to us at the time. But now it was kind of a big deal. So that's where our odyssey started. I think we really wanted to be very deliberate and very authentic. And if we were going to do snacks that paired with beer, you can't just throw some salt and vinegar on it. It Now, I'm not going to say that salt and vinegar, (laughs) potato chips don't taste great with some things and don't taste great with beer. But if we were going to be purposeful in the product that we put out and the way we wanted the public and eventually our wholesale partners to utilize the product was to be very authentic about it and very deliberate with our flavor profiles. So you went from having your first craft beer. How did that turn into, hey, let's start making snack mixes? We found ourselves traveling. We took on the care of two of our nephews and they were terrific baseball players. And so we were doing a lot of traveling with that. And so we would find ourselves in a tap room or a tasting room having a great time. Mm -hmm. We've had a couple pints, feel a little tipsy (laughs) to stay for a couple more pints. And a lot of the business models at the time, and depending on region Mm -hmm. and area, are still, it's still the case. There was no food component. There was no restaurant component. If you go back I don't know, six, eight years, food trucks were just, there was one food truck per capita for a big city. Yeah. And so there really wasn't a mechanism for us to stay. If we wanted to stay, we needed something to eat. We needed something to snack on. 
I make the joke to bring us back from to Tipsyville. You get to to Tipsyville, you're like, all right, now we're having a super good time. We got to go unless we yeah, get something to eat. Yeah. And so we would be like, okay, <laughs> we're, we're going to run down here and get a cheeseburger. We'll be back. And it never came, you know. Yeah, you yeah. just never come happen. back. You never yeah. come back. We saw, and it's funny, in entrepreneurial speak, everyone wants to know what your pain point is. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at our pain point. <laughs> we were drinking, we were tipsy, and my pain point is I wanted to find a way to drink more. Yeah. yeah. And really, that's the essence of yeah. the company. Yeah. Who has it better than us? Like when I think of bar snacks, you think of the person just Those shaking their hands. Yeah, they got the... the old wooden bowls, but they just have some nuts and just popping them. But as far as putting a new spin on the nuts and snacks and everything, like where did that idea come from? It was a complete act of utter selfishness. Just being honest. Um, The other part of our origin story was we had found in Greensboro a company that was making just this beautiful salted peanut. And we'd enjoyed it in a few places in Greensboro and then they stopped production. Dove on the internet, tried to find things that were just like this, and we would order something, and we would wait for UPS to come, and we would wait with bated breath, and UPS would come, and he'd hand me the box, and I'd rip open the box, and I'd open the container, and we'd grab a handful, and we'd close the container, and we'd close the box, and it went in the pantry. <laughs> oh, man. And so we didn't find anything that replicated that specific thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm pretty tenacious once I get an idea in my head, good, bad, or indifferent. I just want to see how far I can take it. I mean, it could be like a flower bed. It could be an outfit. It could be my hair. It could be anything. How far can I take this? And so we did some research and found we were on our way to Ocracoke, which is one of our favorite places on earth. And we were driving through eastern North Carolina, which we found out was like this hotbed of peanuts. Like they grow them and they'll sell them. So I had found two or three peanut growers, only two sold to the public. So we were driving through and we stopped at both of them. And one, I could tell the nuts weren't the same. And the other one, the nuts looked pretty close. Yeah. So, you know, the creation of the company itself happened during that trip. When you have an hour or a week on Ocracoke, you're either drinking all the time, planning to drink all the time, just finished drinking all the time. And so we got these, right. So we got these peanuts (laughs) And I'm like, okay, well, you know, we're here. I have this time. Let's roast them and see what what happens. They turned out really good. They were just the purity of the ingredient. It really spoke for itself. So we did this, just some salt. And then I started thinking about what else we could do with it. We also purchased some green peanuts. I love boiled peanuts. I do too. So we had this pot at the end of the dock. And when we're there, we make boiled peanuts. So I was standing there, checked the pot, looked a little dry, and I was like, huh, I had a Bell's Too Hearted in my hand. I poured it in the pot, and that night everybody was like, what's different with the peanuts? They taste different. And so that's where (laughs) peanuts and beer came to live. See, I just thought it was snacks. I didn't know you were actually using beer to do flavor. The initial, yeah. At that Ooh. point, we, we were, and we were like, okay, if I can do that with an IPA, what's my favorite beer on earth? Yeah. I have a bison. Yeah. If I remember correctly, when we walked through Gang, there was orange zest, coriander, cloves, little star anise. What if we made a liquid? And so that's how it was born. Did you have a background in food manufacturing None. before? <laughs> I like to eat it. Yeah. But I'm- mostly I like to drink. 
what was the process like getting into manufacturing a food item? Like that's, there's a lot of like health code stuff. Right. That's where you have to go from your, isn't this fun ball cap to putting on the hat of being serious. Food is food. And if it's for public consumption, you can't be Susie pretender. Isn't this neat? Yeah. If you wanted to, you just make them for your neighbors and call it a day. So as with anything, we just went at it full bore. Let's learn everything we can learn. Let's have all the information we can have. Let's do it right. Let's take the high road. Let's do it with intention and let's do it with purpose and professionalism. When you started out, because there's just so much that goes into food, what were some like big resources for you that helped you find either people to make your packaging, people to design, branding, all this kind of stuff? Sure. I can definitely, I can approach that question from a number of ways because They say it takes a village. The size of our village is really big. Yeah. First, my family. I think my mother and my sister had gotten to a point where they were never surprised by what I was going to walk in with. So I think that was a huge thing. My sister is an amazing hairstylist and platform artist, and she taught me that everyone is looking. Mm -hmm. Somebody is always paying attention. And so I think for us as a brand, I've always been super mindful of that. In the beginning, I think our first batch, we did a festival in Lynchburg, Virginia was our first ever beer festival. And we brought 800 units to this beer festival. And hand to God, my mother stuck decals on 800 little cello pack and then helped us package. And then our group of friends were enthusiastic about what we were doing. It's been seven years now and we still get together even if it's just a private label project, to do that, to package and giggle and talk. And these were people that we played softball with and people who are close friends. And I think that gave us a great base to go from. And then we were accepted into the Launch Greensboro cohort. Mm -hmm. And this would have been 2017. Launch Greensboro is part of the Chamber of Commerce. They help early stage companies identify things like KPIs and avatars and customer journeys and all those things, things that I knew the answers to, but I just didn't know they were officially something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can be really tricky. And I can say for us from experience, knowing that those things exist, like Mm -hmm. KPIs and different metrics. But when you're first starting out, it's like, okay, there's all these numbers. I know they mean something, but how do I translate it? Right. And so they were instrumental in helping us kind of just refine and be very specific and, again, purposeful in what we're doing. So I know, so 2017, Hops and Nuts was moving. And then 2020. Sure. Everything shut down. Sure. We had formed some amazing alliances in those three years. We were doing, I want to say 2019, we did 78 beer and wine festivals. We were on the road all the time. And we were talking to brewers and we were talking to vintners and we were talking to distillers and we were talking to the people who are the tastemakers. Mm-hmm. What are you brewing? Why are you brewing it? What was your process? Were you hopping in the front? Were you hopping in the back? Did you hop in both places? Did you wet hop? Did you dry hop? The number of hops that are on the market now versus when we started in 2017, there were a handful and now there's hundreds. So we got a very unique opportunity to get not only customer feedback, which helped us identify who our demographic was, Mm -hmm. what works, what doesn't work, but we also really tuned into 
the tastemakers on what their vision was for the next few years. How could we help them Mm -hmm. with that journey? Being, again, very purposeful in wanting to be a partner with tap rooms and tasting rooms to accentuate that customer journey. So if we could provide them a snack that took what they intended and what their goal and vision was and make it that much better Mm -hmm. and make that customer experience better. And from an X's and O's point of view, drive higher tickets for the bartenders. And so we really saw some great traction. We start 2020, we've got some contracts on the burner with people like Abita and BrewDog to do some private label, to do some collaborations. We're in over 200 tap rooms and taste rooms and bottle shops nationwide. We're cooking with gas. That's awesome. Yeah. And then the lights went out. Yeah. Yeah. The good news is that we had a lot of great market information from those three years. Yeah. We had a pretty similar experience, too, with the bands. Like, we were cooking. Yeah. I had just quit my job. We were working full-time music, and then 2020 hit, and it was, like, full stop everything. Yeah. And much like your story, it could have been, like, a okay, I give up. Let me go to an office, or let me find some remote job that I find remotely interesting. Or pivot, figure out something else, move in a different direction. And I think it's hard to do. What kept you motivated during that time to push and keep going? I think for everybody, you know, what we're all talking about, we're not the only people that went through this. Everyone went through, in some way, shape, or form, a version of this. I think for us, idle hands are the devil's playground. (laughs) Early estimates, we thought like we had lost 80% of our revenue. We lost 92% of our revenue. Yeah. Everything closed. Yeah. Every single thing closed. And so we were just bold enough. We were just silly enough. We had just enough time on our hands to say, okay, so the bottle shops are closed. The tasting rooms are closed. The tap rooms are closed. Where are people going? Where are they? Nobody stopped drinking. Yeah. I know. For somebody who loves to drink, was it possible to love it more? I don't know. So nobody stopped drinking. We just stopped hanging out places. We just stopped going over to people's houses or meeting a tap room or a brewery to do that. Like I said, we were just bold enough and we had just enough time on our hands to say, okay, if we can't get our product to places because they're all closed, where can we get the product to? And where are people still going? Mm -hmm. And so our answer was mass retail and grocery. And so we said, okay, we know who our customer is. We know what we're doing. We think, ha, 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 LOL. Um, (laughs) We like to think we do. So if we were to create a brand that allowed Hops and Nuts to remain intact as that partner for wholesale, Mm. for brewers and for vendors, what would that look like? And so we created Sippin' Snacks. We like to say that nobody stops sipping. They just need some more snacks. Yeah. And so we started with that. And then as bad as COVID was, as as horrifying for so many, how it affected the economy, how it affected health of people and families, for us, it created opportunities. We knew in order to get into mass retail, we had to do some things differently. For instance, our packaging with hops and nuts was a simple generic pouch with a decal on the front and a decal on the back with nutritionals. 
And that's how we packaged our product. We knew to get in a grocery, we had to up the game there. We had to, to get the branding right and mm-hmm. branding spot on. So I started doing a deep dive into design people. And lo and behold, I get this kind of rando email. I guess I was on some kind of list. Tell me what your challenges are. <laughs> Tell me what you're working on. Tell me what I can help with. And it was just an, a very open email that just went out to everybody on this list. If somebody's going to send me an email, I'm going to answer. If it's intriguing, I'll answer. Yeah. I may not ever hear back. They may go, he didn't really (laughs) expect an answer. (laughs) And it turns out it was a design company out of California, Jen David Designs. She did the packaging rebrand for Wisps Cheese Crisps. And then after they launched their rebrand, they saw a 500% increase in sales. I need her number. (laughs) And, you know, this company, they're very well established. She does amazing work. And there's no way in Hell's Half Acre I would have been able to afford to work with her. Mm -hmm. During COVID, she did design work for all six of the SKUs that we asked for, probably a tenth of what she charges. That is awesome. Yeah. So that was something that fell into place. I'm like, okay. All right. We'll All right. Let's step one of what we would need to do. I'm a very capable person who can probably crank out a certain number of pounds of our product per day, but not enough for a grocery store. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the second thing was the continued conversation and quest for a co-manufacturer. And previous to that, we struck out. Our numbers were not what somebody needed. There was no impetus for them to work with the small guy. There was, they were busy. And so we were by Felicia. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Suddenly their orders stopped. They had people to pay. They had facilities to keep running and higher power and fate and all that wrapped up in one. Probably my mother, rest in peace, was probably up there doing some of the orchestrating, but we found a co-manufacturer. This is a company that's been in business for over 50 years. Oh, cool. And can, with what our production levels are now, can 20X. So we've got room to grow. We've got room to, to really stretch production and supply chain. So that was number two. Next thing was, he said, I can manufacture until the cows come home, but I don't package. And so there's a great little outfit outside Brevard that does a lot of co-packing. They're so busy with government contracts, they can't even take on new work. To be honest with you, I don't know the name of the charity that manages all, but it's folks with disabilities with developmental challenges, and they just rock the CASA. They're just known for their spot on work. And so I started going down that path, and we have found a co-packer that is going to handle all of our packaging and they can handle shipping to our distribution centers they can store they can do it all once that kind of fell into place easy breezy we we said all right we'll we'll launch this brand and then the target accelerator happened yeah (laughs) and i was looking up information about that but i would love to hear you talk about your experience with wow for us it was a game changer And the strange thing about it is there are things in your life that you want, and there's things in your life that you don't necessarily know you want. And then there are things that 
just happen because there's something else going on. Yeah. In the universe ethos. is like, well, here you go. I got this <laughs> super rando message from an adult beverage buyer at Target on my LinkedIn about the Target accelerator and had I applied. And so we're at Costco and my wife is filling up her pay tanks. And I'd had arthroscopic knee surgery. And so I didn't partake in the hauling of cans. And so while I'm sitting waiting, I do the application. Not like, I really need to study this. I really need to focus on this. I really need to get my answers perfect so I can get this. I was like, like 7,000 people probably applied to this. I'm going to do it out of courtesy that somebody took the time. Again, there we go. Somebody took the time to send me this message. Okay, I'll do it. So... Seven weeks go by and I get this email. We'd like to do a Zoom call with you to ask you some questions. Okay, that's interesting. So I do the call and they ask a lot of questions and they're like, okay, final decision will be in a few weeks. We'll let you know. Two weeks go by. I get an email. Can you do another follow-up call? All right. So I log on to the call and then confetti falls. Oh, man. They said there were 1,800 plus applications. They chose our cohort, I want to say it was 30 companies. They said, since you had a previous company, Hops and Nuts, of course, you have a little more going for you than some of the companies in the cohort, but you're not quite ready to go into our stage two accelerator, which is called Takeoff. The accelerator that I was involved with is called Forward Founders. So they were very upfront about this might be a little beneath where you and I said you know what I said I am absolutely not only humbled by the opportunity but I believed all through my athletic career that I was a student of preparation I was a student of making sure that my footwork was good making Mm -hmm. sure that a step was a good step yeah and I said to them I said I would much rather have the opportunity to make sure that I'm doing all the things 100% right at this level, then try and be more than I am and just be chasing all the time. Yeah. I believe that as a business owner, one of the things that I am committed to 100% is agility. And you talked about that pivot situation. For me, being agile in decision-making, being agile in what the market's telling you, being agile in what the consumer is telling you is a key to growth and is a key to what I think is eventual success. You have to have your head on swivel. You have to be listening and you have to be looking and you have to be doing the things in preparation that assure really good outcomes. So I was tickled that they would consider me and it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. And it started from the first minute of the accelerator. We got time, a one-on-one with the CEO of Target. And people say, like, what are your five places you want your product? And I'll be honest. And I told them at the time, Target was never on my list, ever, until after I spent time with the CEO of Target. When I understood what his vision of customer journey was, that was in complete alignment with mine. To delight to surprise, to give a consumer something they've never seen or heard of before. That's his goal. That's his mission. And to do it with professionalism and to do it with good people. Yeah. And they're a great example of really targeting their customers. Like 
literally. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very thoughtful proposition. And when you take just a second to be not looking at the target, not looking at the cute dog and not looking at 7,000 billion stores, when you hear what the top guy has now said to everyone else in the company, to his teammates, this is the mission. This is my expectation. I know you're a great person because I brought you in on the company. Now go forth. Yeah. And to me, I think that's the ultimate lesson in leadership. And when we're looking for people to follow, certainly that's a conversation that I look back to. Yeah. That's a great conversation. Yeah. Yeah, Super delight surprise. Right. That's something I've read about in social media and doing even the podcast. Like you want people to be engaged. You want people to want to come back and targets nail that if you go once you're like i gotta get back to that smell i gotta get back to those red buggies i'm right. gonna put too much stuff in my car i went in for one thing i came out with 20. oh yeah yeah for sure speaking of your snack all right with this new company is it still just nuts or is it branched out into other things in looking at all of the flavors and propositions that we had in hops and nuts we decided to narrow the number of flavors to what we offer with Sip and Snacks. And then we just created a few other things that are offshoots of that. Currently, we have five peanuts and a snack mix. All right. We've got some things on the drawing board. A huge collaboration that for us will be a brand game changer. We're happy to talk about a great collaboration that we have formed with Boston Beer. Oh, nice. In the 2022 craft brewer convention there was a talk on brewbound and it was the head of target's adult beverage program and the head of boston beers brewing the american dream program so brewing the american dream is the entrepreneurial arm formed by jim cook the owner and creator and head brewmaster for sam adams he created sam adams boston lava He created this entrepreneur arm to help entrepreneurs in the food and beverage space in wherever they are in their journey to be able to go farther. Through finding that podcast, I was able to connect with Jennifer Glanville, who's the head of Brewing the American Dream for Boston Beer. We had a delightful conversation about what we were, where we were trying to go, what we were trying to do. And she said, all right, send me some samples. So we shipped some things up. And a call came a week later. They were having an event in Atlanta. And so I flew down to Atlanta to meet with them. And they were doing some on-site entrepreneurial coaching. And so maybe I misunderstood the email that came to me, but they said, what's your background? And I think initially it was for me to be coached. And then they sent me an email back and said, we're happy that you're coaching with us. And I went, okay was a coach so i can coach that's what you want me to do okay sure so went down and they do the speed coaching thing and i had the good fortune and the time and the grace to work with 18 companies oh wow who are in varying stages of their journey taking all the grand training and information from target everything that i knew from my business journey and then take it and push it back out and share it with others. And to me, there's, there's no greater delight yeah. than that. Uh, we had a, a really long conversation about flavors and our product. And she was like, this is nothing that's on the market. Like, what's going on? 
Oh, so this is pre-release. Oh, so these are the secrets. We're officially launching the Sam Adams Boston Lager Craft Peanuts. Nice. Always a good choice. Yeah. Sam Adams, I have loved Sam Adams probably, oh oh my gosh, since I was in my teens. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So we really dove in deep to get to the bottom of their flavor profile, how we could accentuate that, how we could make that journey better for folks who love an all-American beer. They have been so gracious. And as my two new friends here are looking at our new packaging, you'll notice that they have co-branded with us a product that has not only our logo, but right next to it, the Samuel Adams logo is really for us a lot of validation. Yeah. And you talked about the journey of the pivot and certainly the life of an entrepreneur sometimes can be lonely, can be questioning. I'm a person that typically doesn't lack confidence, but there are days that you wonder. Sure. Um, To have this pouch come out, to have their logo next to our logo that has their affirmation of what we're doing, their validation for us is a great day. It's a win. It's a win. From that pivot point, it seems like the universe has just been like, no, you're good. Come you're on, good. target. You're good. Right. Here you go. Keep the going. Same Adam. Keep yeah. going. Keep pushing. Um, we like to say keep chopping wood. I like that. This spiked <laughs> some curiosity in mm-hmm. here. All right. So how do you enhance the flavor of the Boston log? First, I try to assess whether I'm going to try and run alongside the flavors or run in opposition to the flavors. Mm-hmm. I'm not a classically trained food person at all, but common sense tells me that you can find like things to accentuate and run alongside, or you can find opposite things. I know that when I think of a Sam Adams, I think of something that has some crispness to it on the palate. I think while it's not as malty as like an amber, it has some toasty notes to it. And of course, salt makes everything better. Yeah. It brings out those flavors. And then I decided that we would just try a few things. And for us, you talked about who helped us get to where we are. I've got some folks that have great palates. I can think of something. I can think of creating something. But until we actually take it and put it on a peanut and put it in its proper setting. Like right now you're drinking an IPA. Yes. So there are some beautiful citra hop notes in Boston Lager. Mm. Although for me, that's not part of my flavor journey. My flavor journey with Boston Lager is much more of a malt note, is much more of a fresh crispness to it without it being chewy or heavy or bogged down. And I wanted what we created to reflect that. It's going to sound corny as heck, but I wanted a bottle of Boston Lager to look into the mirror and see his yep. best friend, yeah, which is the Boston Lager Peanut. That, yeah. to me, yeah. is the vision. One of our products, like our Peppa Snack Mix, is heat, but it's not burn. It's flavor yeah. heat. Okay. And I want that one to run in opposition to some things. Like, it runs in opposition to a Pilsner, because it can mm-hmm. run over a Pilsner. A pale ale, they're playing around a little bit. They're yeah, having well. some fun. Our five pepper blend and the other accompanying spices hell the hop notes yeah and it's beautiful with an ipa we really try and think about what that customer journey is but also what the flavor journey of what's coming out of the tap or the bottle yeah and how we can make that better talking about flavors a lot of people don't know it 
they're supposed to be tasting in beers. It's still very new to most people. There's a bunch of craft beer fans out there, but if I went up there and I wanted to get like a check or like a Saison, it's like, I know what that's going to taste like, but someone that doesn't know craft beer doesn't know what that's going to taste like. How much education do you do on flavors of beer with your nuts? One of the largest challenges that I had in this pivot, you talked about how we decided to do this. It's one thing when you go to 78 beer festivals and you are one-on-one with 300 people and you can say, tell me what's in your glass. If you tell me what's in your glass, then I can tell you what snack to pair it with and why. In that customer journey, I'm guiding one-on-one with that customer. So our goal, our drive and something we had to be 100% mindful of is that education moment. If somebody came out and did Frito Jr., you would know what Frito Jr. was because you know what Frito is. Mm-hmm. With our brand, we don't have that same luxury. Yeah. So we had to be super mindful that we commissioned our designer because this 4.2 ounce pouch has to be me. Mm-hmm. There have to be like me's running all across the stores talking to the customer, yes. to the consumer. Why should I pick this up? What am I, how am I going to use it? We've tried to be super mindful in educating mm-hmm. on the pouch. Yeah. How do you use it? What do you use mm-hmm. it with? Why do you use it? Our call outs on the bottom. What am I tasting? What should I be tasting? If I know that, for instance, with our vineyard red, which is our red wine nuts, I can just say off the cup, dark fruit, citrus, mid note, peppery finish. It's great with a bold red wine. It's great with a cider. And so... On our packaging, pair with red wine, seltzer or cider. Yeah. And then the call-outs hopefully will guide you in that direction. It's the show and tell. like Craft peanuts. Right. Like, that's the thing that draws me to it. Right. It's like the craft peanut. What is a craft peanut? And then, oh, to pair with craft drinks. Oh, Mm -hmm. awesome. So then halfway there, but you've you've only gone, you've only had to go here. Yeah. You're only on the top (laughs) part of the pouch. You haven't had to really dig somewhere else we've tried to really let you know and then up across the back craft a great pairing yeah. that's our job craft a great pairing yeah there are so many options in every retail market you can easily walk into a harris teeter and spend two hours looking through their peanuts trying to figure out like <laughs> my planners so i want their like locally sourced people but that does make it so right. straightforward you were one person, it looks like red wine. Yeah. Right? It tells you what it's going to pair with. Right. That's yeah. really smart. There's a psychology to it. Yeah. And luckily, having managed all of these things, she was super mindful of that as well. My dad has a wine and beer shop in Fuquay. Right. And I can't wait to tell him about these. Oh, really? yeah. Like <laughs> all of these, all these you can find at like Target's. No, actually, no. oddly enough, we're not in Target yet. What? The good news, we got picked up. So we finished Target Accelerator. We met with the folks at Boston Beer. In October, we got picked up by Lowe's Foods and Publix. Nice. In their local section. And we're on our seventh reorder right now. Awesome. We just found out that Food Lion has picked us up, 500 stores. Uh Harris Teeter has picked us up, 250 stores. And that will launch the end of august so it'll be for the what's called the fall set and then 
With the Boston Lager, we roll out to Total Wine nationwide, 250 stores. And they've picked up four of our SKUs. So in any Total Wine across the nation, you'd be able to find our beer salted, our lager and lime, our Peppa snack mix, and of course the Boston Lager Craft Peanut. That's amazing. Congrats. Thank you. Huge year. Yeah. (laughs) It's been, the funny thing is, going back to Mike Persick at Target, I had a great phone call with him and he said, I'm just going to say that we're a little archaic in how we manage our categories. We know you need to be in the wine section and the beer section. We don't have a mechanism yet to make that happen, but we're working on it. And so I do a, like a mentor briefing once a quarter and he is engaged in that. And then when this came out a few days ago, when Boston Lager came out a few days ago, <laughs> I sent him an email and I said, here we are. We've gone from hearing your name on the Brewbound podcast to being in the Target Accelerator to on a personal level, having a total knee replacement. And so here we are. Boston Lager is here and I'd like to get you a pouch of it pre-release within two minutes. I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait to rip it open. So we're not on Target yet. Yeah. It's certainly on our list and we are familiar with each other. That's awesome. But in the meantime, we do have some other places that that you can find us for sure. That's awesome. The podcast has turned into this kind of inspirational journey for people wanting to get to places like you're at today. So if you were to give advice to someone that wants to either start a, a brand or just develop something like this. It doesn't necessarily have to be food. What would your biggest advice be for them of like where to start? Right. So I was lucky enough to do a couple of weeks ago, some coaching with the Brewing the American Dream bootcamp. And I said to them that the first thing you have to do is understand that you cannot be afraid to ask for help. Whether you're a brewery or a home brewer that's thinking about taking that next step, whether you're a food entrepreneur, whether you're a CPG entrepreneur, whether you're just somebody who wants to do a side hustle, I think, and it's going to sound just so cliche, (laughs) it's about the passion. It's about knowing that you got to chop wood until your hands fall off, like through 15 layers of calluses, through, oops, I missed the log and I cut my freaking leg off. Like, (laughs) I'm laying there bleeding, but you know what I'm doing? I'm still chopping wood. I'm going to lay here on the ground and make mulch or something. But (laughs) I was told by a business coach once that being an entrepreneur is like paying rent and the rents always do. You can't stop. You've Mm got to go. You got to go. You got to go. And the rents do every day. You got to be doing something. If you're not that person, it's cool. Not everybody has to launch a national brand of snack food. Not everybody has to dominate charcoal production. I mean, whatever it is, the requirement is not to be number one. The requirement is to have a passion for it. And if it fills your well, to quote my sister, then go for it. Don't go bankrupt. Don't go crazy. (laughs) Don't lose your home and your family and your wife and your life. But follow your passion and just see how far you can go. Push it. Yeah, for sure. That's great advice. That's one of my personal mantras. There's no perfection. There's only progress. 
What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. yeah. What's the worst that can happen? Okay. If today I don't sell another bag of peanuts, I guess we got snacks for a while. Yeah. yeah. It's like, hey. And we love snacks. Yeah. That's fine. You That's got a win. bunch of friends but ready to eat. That's yeah. it. Let's go, friends. It's all good. For sure. This has been awesome. Yeah. This is really appreciate you guys. Thank you for shining the light. Yeah. yeah Thanks for being right Thanks for joining in. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's always good. And that wraps up our tasty conversation with Melissa Wallace, the snack queen herself, from spotting the missing snacks and breweries to facing challenges of the pandemic. Her journey is a testament to the power of perseverance. Don't forget to check out Sippin' Snacks and their fantastic collaboration with the Boston Beer Company. Those Sam Adams Boston Lager Craft Peanuts were amazing, and I think they'd be a perfect pairing for any kind of beer. Until next week, cheers! <laughs>